morning, Tomoka. Amen, amen, amen. Thank Brother Kevin for wonderful piano playing, but also that that prayer and our praise and worship team for rendering such beautiful songs today. How's everybody doing out there? Yeah, I know. There's all kind of information and stuff floating around. There's all kind of situations happening that will challenge your faith, challenge your your courage. But uh, we're here to sustain you. We're here to remind you of who's on the throne. You know, again, we started a series last week and we want to continue with that this week. But just let me deal with a couple logistical things before I go forward. I know the word is starting to trickle out there a little. But let me make it official that uh, right now it's scheduled for August the 10th in-person services here on t- for Tuesday Church. August 10th in-person services with lunch served afterwards. Same starting time at, as 1030. But also during this time period, we're also going to still have a uh, online virtual addition to our in-person service. So. We're excited about that. Hopefully you are. But let's just be real about something today. We still need you to be safe. We need you to be smart. You know, um, if you want to come out, make sure you come out safely. Make sure you're not sick. Make sure that if you're concerned, wear a mask. Do those things. Because right now there's a little bit of uptick in this COVID thing. So pay attention. Be careful. Be safe. But know that we're here to serve you. So we have those two entities in person, but also online. Whichever one you want to take advantage of, do that, but do it safely and do it smartly. But never stop doing the getting together part. All right. God bless you. I'm excited about that. All of that was free. Are you ready to jump into something this morning? We're talking about seasons of change. This is part two of this particular sermon series. Seasons of change change on on my notes here i have this statement it says don't be afraid of change because change is inevitable it's inevitable i mean something you're going to change things are going to change people are going to change circumstances are going to change change is inevitable so here's the thing don't be afraid of that also don't be resistant of it To fight against change is like trying to climb a smooth mountain. It doesn't work. Because change is something that happens in life. And we have to be able to understand that and be able to go with it. You know, one of the great things about surfing, which I have absolutely no ability to do well. But... When the wave comes, you must adjust yourself and your board to ride the wave. If you don't ride the wave, then the wave crashes you, floods you, just runs you over. So, again, this is change in life. What we have to learn to do, how do we navigate change? How do we ride the waves of change without crashing? Listen, whenever change comes, there's going to be an emotional part to it. We're human beings. We don't like for something to be out of our control. But that's always the funny part. We've never been in control in the first place. We always like to think that we are, but we never have been in control in the first place. We just don't want things to happen that we don't see coming or understand why they're coming. And we always fight against that, which is the weird part, because as Christians, we are instructed to walk by faith and not 
by sight. Again, beautiful verse, which is going to require some practice to learn how to live in it, to actually fulfill that. So seasons of change. Don't be afraid because change is inevitable. Let's go to our first scripture. It's going to be in Isaiah chapter 43. I think all the verses today are in the Amplified Translation. And um, I must be hard at work already because I'm already sweating. But if you can't see it at home, don't worry about it. If you can't see it at home, don't worry about it. Isaiah chapter 43, we're going to begin to read at verse 18. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. And this is what it says in the Amplified Translation. Do not remember the former things. I love easy, straightforward instructions. See, because sometimes what change does, change fights against former things. See, change comes because we can be so comfortable or settled in former things and how things were. And because they were that way, we got comfortable in that mindset. So then change comes and we get upset. The scripture says, do not remember the former things or ponder, discerns, try to figure out the things of the past. Why? Listen carefully. I am about to do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. You will not be aware of it. God is about to do a new thing. Now, listen to me. When it says new thing, God is not going to give us a new scripture. He's not going to give us a new chapter in the B-I-B-L-E. If you go to a church that tell you there's a new one, run as fast as you can, because that's not what this new thing means. All this means is I'm not going to continue to have the flow of the spirit be exactly the same all the time. I'm going to have a little difference because I need you to continue to grow. Listen to me. If you were a shepherd, and we talked about this recently, if you were a shepherd in charge of the sheep, your job is to keep finding new grazing ground for your sheep. So they'll eat well at this particular grazing ground, but as you are, as your sheep are, you're already looking for new grazing ground, a better grazing ground for them to go. God is always that way with us. See, because sometimes we can get stuck. Let me give you a real good example. I grew up in a church that did communion every first Sunday. Every first Sunday, communion was done. Now, the communion service had gotten so extravagant that the people who orchestrated or did the communion had to be dressed in white. They had to have on white gloves. So the act of communion had grown to the point that it was so ritual that it was more important to be dressed in white, more important to have on white gloves than it was to really understand the power of communion. Second, it was done every first Sunday. So if the pastor came along and said, we're not doing communion on the first Sunday, we're going to do communion on Tuesday. And you don't have to wear white Because God doesn't judge you by your outward appearance. He judges you by your heart. All of those terms would have been unheard by those people who were stuck on the former things. And they would say communion without people dressed in white is not real communion. Communion not on first Sunday is not real communion. Are y'all following me? 
So don't get stuck on those things. Is communion important? Yes. Why? Because we are told to remember what Christ has done for us. To remember the power of his sacrifice for us. It didn't say remember what day communion is done on. Didn't say remember how much, you know, if it should be wine instead of grape juice. If it should be crackers instead of bread. Or it should be those little styrofoam little chips we give. (laughs) All of those things don't matter. What matters is, do you believe Christ died for you? Do you believe that his blood shed gave you eternal forgiveness? Now, when you place your heart on those things, if communion is on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, if it's wine, grape juice, or whatever, if it's water and bread, whatever it is, it still represents his blood and his body. Does that make sense to you? So don't get stuck on those things because if you run out of wine in service, You have a bunch of frantic people thinking that communion will not have the same power today because we don't have wine. Is this making sense to anybody? So don't get stuck on the former things. Let God do a new thing. Let him just do something different to pull you out of that situation, but still keep intact the purity of the word of God. Let me keep reading. I will even put a road in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. You're talking about a change. A road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That's a mighty, mighty change. But that's what God will do for us if we will follow his lead. We may have to go out into the wilderness for a while. We may have to wander for a while. COVID has had that ability on churches all across the world right now. Not just churches, but on people all across the world right now. COVID has had that ability. It drove us out into the wilderness. Now, please understand this. For for the church, for the body of Christ, we had made the building the church. And this period of time on Sundays, or for us on Tuesdays, the church. This is church, is what we would call it. Well, when COVID hit... It, it made a, a, a river in the desert. It made a road in the wilderness because now we have to understand this building is not the church. We are the church. How do we now function as the church? We can't go back to former things. Oh, I sure hope y'all hear me today. We cannot go back to former things. We're going to have to be in the wilderness for a while, but trusting that God will make a road in the wilderness so we'll understand how now does the church become the church Outside of the building. And then how does that incorporate the services that we have here? So the church comes to a service here. We get equipped. We get rebuked. We get re-energized. We get reminded. We get all of those things here. So when we go out the door, we can then be the church again. We're going to have to learn how to do that. And it's going to be big because it's hard for us. Our vocabulary even says every time we open our mouth, I'm going to church. Where's your church? Oh, it's down on the corner or walk and don't walk. It's not your church. You, we are the church. Are we understanding this? So again, it's something new. God is going to make a road in the wilderness so we'll learn how to navigate this thing. He didn't cause COVID, but he sure will use it for our good as long as we follow that new thing that he wants us to do because actually it's an old thing how many of us realize in the second century when the when the apostles came out of the upper room they weren't building buildings 
I said, they weren't building buildings. They were going into communities and they convert one person. That person will say, hey, I have Bob, Mary, Joe and all of them meet me under the tree next week. We're going to get together the church under the tree or in my hut or at the street corner or in the marketplace. And we're going to get together and have service. Again, I'm not telling us to go back to the marketplace. I'm just saying that we do have buildings we can meet in, but the building is not the church. We're the church. Amen. Is that, is that helpful today? Again, change. Change. Because he will guide us. Let's go to John chapter 14. I think this one will also help us get a, a better view of what we're talking about today. And uh, just before I read that, I just want to reemphasize something. Because I think it's vitally important. Don't wish for things to be like they were. Because you're going to get frustrated. Probably going to get a little bit angry. Always wish for things to be like God wants them to be. I hope that makes sense to you. See, because if we want things to be the way they were, it's not going to happen. I'm going to say this, and I hope you understand me. Our relationship to this building will never be the same again. Our relationship with this building will never be the same again. I remember being in a church one time. Boy, that makes me emotional. I remember being in a church one time and, and they told me I was standing on holy ground. I remember the Bible said that God moved out of the buildings made with man's hands. And he moved into us. And because he lives in me, I'm not holy because of what I do. I'm holy because he is holy and he lives in me. So holy ground is not this building, but holy ground is wherever we go, walking, talking to represent him and let him live through us to other people. I'm telling you, this is church. But please understand, I'm not telling you we don't come back and meet in the building, but the emphasis changes. It will never be the same again. Praise the Lord. I hope we understand that. Let's go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, we're going to begin to read at verse number one. It says, do not let your hearts be troubled, afraid, cowardly. Believe confidently in God and trust in him. Have faith. Hold on to it. Rely on it. Keep going and believe also in me. The apostles are about to experience the biggest change in their spiritual lives. They had been following Jesus on an everyday basis, watching him do miraculous, powerful things. The Messiah, their Messiah, our Messiah is with them, arms reach. They could touch him, hold his hand, eat with him, talk with him, laugh with him, do all those things and then be there as he does all of these miracles. These apostles are with him, but he is now preparing them for a change because a huge change is about to come and he needs to prepare them. So what's the first thing he does? He kind of takes, tells them to take their eyes off of him and put them back on 
God. Well, I sure hope y'all are here today. He says, trust in him. (laughs) Rely on him. Rely on God. And it's the same thing for us right now. As we're in this change, we have to go to something we know is solid and real. And that is God. Let me read on. He says, in my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you because I am going there to prepare a place for you. Is Christ incredible? Is this not beautiful? He got these people. He knows now these statements are shaking him at the core of their being because they don't know what life is going to be like without his presence. But he's telling them, I'm going to the father and I'm going to make sure that there's a dwelling place for you there. So I'm going to give you hope now that I'm with you. I'm going to give you hope while I'm gone. And I'm going to make sure you know that your eternity is still going to be with me. How about us as Christians? Do we know that? As these trying times come, do we know that we have eternal life with Christ? Well, my mind says it. Well, how about all of you, your soul? (laughs) So that means, listen to me, they're in this change. All they could see is him. Now he's telling them, I'm going to be gone. So what does that leave for them to see with their physical eyes? Each other. Why? Because now they become the body of Christ. So the same Christ that was there physically now lives in them spiritually. Are y'all hearing me today? So that's how it should be with us. Does he live in you through the Holy Spirit? Yes. So then us coming together gives us comfort. Us coming together gives us strength to be able to deal with the challenges and the changes of life. Man, you, can you imagine how blown away these uh, apostles are right now? I mean, this is their security blanket. <laughs> Jesus is their security blanket. Listen, they were with him when they were in the boat. And the storm rose. And they seen him speak to the waves and to the wind. They seen him heal people to resurrect Lazarus, call him from the dead. They seen all of this stuff. And now he's about to go. That's the change. Are y'all hearing me today? See, hear me. Some of us whose whole spiritual lives had been lived within the framework of this building or these buildings we call churches. All of our spiritual energies, all our spiritual gifts, all of these things had been lived within the four walls. And then once service was over, we were gone and we didn't have church again for seven more days. Are y'all hearing me? God said, that's changing now. Oh, I'm having fun. I don't know about you. It says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again. Giving them comfort. I will come back again and I will take you to myself, who were they used to being with him, so that where I am, you may be also. And to the place where I am going, you know the way Thomas said to him, Lord, 
We do not know where you are going. So how can we know the way? (laughs) A road in the wilderness, folks. A river in the desert. Pastor Ben, I don't know how we're going to navigate this change, man. This is this is really something. I don't know what we're going to do. Guess what? I don't either. But God does. And he tells us to do what? Depend on him. Look to him. And he will do what? He will give us comfort and he will give us guidance. We have to depend on him. Now, our choices are this. We can either get rigid and stay and demand that everybody comes back to our mindset that we had before. Or we can get on our surfboard and surf the wave. I'm willing to surf the wave even though I can't surf well. But I know God's going to take care of me. So this is where we have to be. And this is where the apostles will have to be. And this is the change that Jesus is talking about. Jesus said to him, I am the only way to God and the real truth and the real life. No one comes to the father, but through me. So what is he saying to them? If we trust Jesus right now, if we trust our relationship with him, we enter into true. We enter into the true way, into this place, into the dwelling place, into the many mansions, into all of those things, into his return, into all of those things. We are part of all of that as long as we stay focused in him, stay strong with him. Change is real. It's inevitable. Jesus knew that and he was preparing his disciples for his departure. Let's read another verse. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Y'all having fun yet? Is this helping you at home? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. And it reads as follows. Therefore, now again, you know me. Therefore, whenever you're in Bible study, you have to find out what therefore is therefore. That means you'll have to go back to chapter 11. We don't have that time today. That's your Bible study. But therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off Every unnecessary weight. So we have this group of people that we can look to who have made the change, who have step by step followed the changes that God has made. They are following him by faith and they have proven to us that he is faithful because he has taken care of them as they were making this transition in faith. Faith meaning that the substance of things hoped for The evidence of things not seen. We don't see where this change is taking us, but we know the person who knows the change. We put our hand in his hand. Now, by faith, can we follow Christ as he leads us through this change? Oh, yes, we can. Now, are you going to know where you're going? (laughs) No. But who else can you trust? I said, who else can you trust? Who else can you rely on that you know is true, that you know loves you? John 10 and 10, it says the thief, 
comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Who are you going to trust to lead you through this change? And it says, in the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us. You see the word sin there is in singular form. What that sin means is unbelief or disbelief or doubt in that context. And the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us. It says, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus. So in change, things can be distracting. I was a pastor of the church. And we rented a church from a Methodist group. And they were really struggling. And so they let us have the church. This would have been one of the first churches that I ever pastored in my life. And their services started at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. The only time slot that I had that I would be able to have service and then be able to clear out the parking lot for them to have service. Service started at 730 in the morning on Sundays. I don't know about you. Folks are not used to going to church at 730 in the morning on Sundays. But that was the time that I had allotted to me. So what did I have to do? I could look at paper. I could look at all the statistics and say, this can't work. This won't work. People ain't going to come at 730 in the morning. Well, let me tell you how God works when you ride the wave, when you ride, when you surf the wave. We started off with 14 people. That church went from 14 to 135 people at 730 in the morning. Matter of fact, the Methodist group that had 10 people said, listen, we're having a hard time finding a parking space when we come to church because there's so many cars in the parking space, in the parking lot. And I'm thinking, I'm glad I gave you something to complain about. You know what I mean? Because we had grown, but 7.30 in the morning. So it wasn't because of me. It's because we trusted God. Does this make sense to you today? See, it's a place that you don't, you don't think is going to work. You don't know how it's going to work. I could have said to them, what do you mean 7.30? There's no way. And I'm not doing 7. Y'all got to give me or I'll go find another place. No. God gave us that time. God blessed. He made a river in the desert. He made a road in the wilderness. How many of you are prepared for a river in the desert? In this place of not knowing that he will bless you with insight. He will take care of you. Let me read on. It says, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the what? Author and perfecter of what? Faith. The first incentive for our belief And the one who brings our faith to maturity. Who for the joy of accomplishing the gold set before him endured the cross. That's a mighty change, isn't it? Huh? 
Jesus had to face a mighty change. Disregarding the, oh, come on with me now. Disregarding the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity. I'm here to tell you today, and change, you can't be worried about what other people think about you. I know when we were having service at 7.30 in the morning, some of the people that would come to the service said people would laugh. I'm, how in the world? What? You got to be crazy getting up at 7.30 in the morning going to church. They would laugh at Listen, you can't let people shame you out of following God. If that was the case, then Noah, when he was building a boat in the desert, would have listened to the naysayers and go, a boat? What's a boat? What are you doing? Are you crazy? But because he heard God and listened to God, he built the boat. How about you? Are you willing to follow the change that God is sending? Well, Pastor Ben, I don't, I don't know what it is. You are not supposed to know. We're supposed to follow him. Can you trust him? Well, no, no, I, no, I ain't going to. You know what happens with us? Comfort has become a disease. It has become a disease. You know, hey, man, I just love my church. Why do you love my church? Because everybody looks like me. Everybody thinks like me. We all walk the same. We all. That ain't church. That's a club. (laughs) That's some kind of club. Are are y'all understanding me? Comfort. Comfort is, is a disease. Shame, suffering is what Christ came and did for us. Now he lives in us. So sometimes those things are going to be in our future. What does that look like? He may send you someplace that's going to be uncomfortable. You may have to be around some situations that are uncomfortable. Those things are changes that you have to go through. Does this make sense? Okay, we're almost done. It says... Who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. Just consider and meditate on him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself. Consider it all in comparison with your trials so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Last verse, Philippians chapter one. I, here's the part that always gets me. Again, this part is free. Matthew says, go ye therefore. Go ye therefore unto All the nations. He doesn't give us like navigation rules or he doesn't give us, okay, Ben, you're going there and Janine, you're going there and Kevin, you're going there. You know, he doesn't do that. He said, go ye. Right? Now, in that context, let your light so shine. I think I said this here before, but I'll say it again. Light was created for darkness. Make sure we get this. Light was created for darkness. And the creation of the world, 
He separated those two entities. He sent light into the world to get rid of because dark was on the face of the void. He sent light to get rid of darkness. Are y'all following me? So if we are to shine our light, where shall our light shine? In darkness. See, what we have done, we have caused this thing we call church. It should have been called the twilight service. Because everybody's bringing their light here and we're trying to outshine each, the light trying to outshine the light inside the building. Seriously, that's what we're doing. We're just in here competitively shining light. Because pretty soon you got people, you know, that kind of, you know, they got halos and their feet don't touch the ground. And I mean, it's just ridiculous. But it's a twilight service because we're all in here trying to shine the light. And then we say something to me that is astounding. I'm, those people out there are losing their minds. Those people out there are crazy. Those are the definitions of darkness. Where should the light shine? Well, I know I'm scaring some of y'all today. But where should the light shine? In darkness. So what am I telling you? In your circle of influence, you have got to offer to the people that are lost an alternative. In the midst of chaos and trouble, when they're consumed by those things, you are to offer them light. Praise the Lord. That was free. Almost done. Philippians chapter one. It says, now I want you to know, believers, that what has happened to me, Paul speaking, this imprisonment that was meant to stop me mm, 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 has actually served to advance the spread of the good news regarding salvation. See, whenever change comes, whenever Satan does what Satan wants to do, he thinks he's going to stop us. But he can't. Because even in the prison, God made change to the prison guard. (laughs) Even in the midst of this change that we are experiencing, church is going to be different because we have just found out we are the church. That means this thing that we were doing once every week where we poured all of our energies, all of our mindsets, everything that was in us to that one hour period. Now is going to have to break up and know that for that hour, I am being trained to go out for the next 23 hours in the world. I am being trained at that one hour to go out and shine my light in darkness. I don't have to try to outshine sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so in the next few. If I hear brother so-and-so say, hey, I fasted for seven hours yesterday. I don't have to go, well, I fasted for seven hours and 15 minutes. (laughs) I don't have to try to compete against that. I'm here for that hour. To be trained, to be uprooted, to be rebuked, to be reminded, to be uplifted, to be equipped. So I go out for the next 23 hours and be the light that I'm supposed to be. I can practice it in my car. I can practice it at home. See, y'all know I'm telling the truth because when church was over, if we were mad at our spouse before church started, 
Yeah, y'all know where I'm going. You get back in the car and wouldn't talk to each other because whatever happened in church didn't change you, didn't change that, that circumstance. You got back in the car and wouldn't talk to each other and go home and do the exact same thing. It's supposed to change us, equip us, strengthen us. We are supposed to practice the word of God, not just here for a one hour period. We are to practice it out there at home with our kids. We are supposed to fulfill the word of God in our lives, not just here, but in our lives. I'm almost done. Paul is saying, I'm in prison. And because I was in prison, the things that I did in prison affected the prison. It affected the people. I could have been in prison crying, weeping, moaning about my circumstance. But I was giving God praise in the prison. And because I did in that set of circumstances, it changed the people around me. That's what the church is supposed to do. Let me finish. My imprisonment in the cause of who? Christ has become common knowledge throughout the whole praetorium, the imperial guard, and to everyone else. Because of my change, hallelujah Jesus, seeing that I am doing well and that God is accomplishing great things, most of the brothers have renewed confidence in the Lord. Not because everything was comfortable and everything was sweet and we were singing kumbaya for one hour on a Sunday. But no, when things are tough, when situations are tough, when people don't agree with you, who don't think like you do, I'm not here to argue their politics. I'm here to let them know somebody is above the political environment. There's a king of king, a lord of lords. That's my job. I know it's hard. I know it is. But I'm telling you, we are supposed to live above those things. I don't care who you voted for. And don't you dare try to tell somebody who they voted for doesn't make them a Christian. Because your vote only tells people who you voted for. It doesn't tell you who God is in your life. I sure hope you all understand that. And have far more courage to speak the word of God concerning salvation without fear of the consequences. Seeing that God can work his good in all circumstances. Don't be afraid of change. Because change is inevitable. So what am I going to do when the change comes? I'm going to focus in on Christ. And I'm going to do my best to follow him. I'm here to tell you today because I love you. I didn't tell you it was easy, did I? Paul talked about being imprisoned. He talked about being in change. Jesus talked about suffering. He talked about the cross. It told us to endure. It told us to endure this race that is set before us. That means there's going to be tough times. There's going to be hard times. But guess what? When tough times are happening and you are walking through led by God, people are watching you. Paul didn't have a megaphone in prison. Paul wasn't playing Christian songs in prison. Paul wasn't doing that. It was his lifestyle that the people who were in darkness, they seen the light of Paul. So even while he was in chains, he was able to change people's lives. Is this making sense to anybody today? 
Man, there's a whole bunch of things going on in the world right now I do not like. I'm telling you, I don't like it, man. I don't like this stuff. But I understand this one thing. Me not liking it doesn't do a thing about it. But me letting God use me to speak into that stuff does. God using me to be an example to others does. Change is inevitable. Society has changed. If you want society to come back to the way it was, don't hold your breath. Jesus prepared his apostles for his ultimate departure. I can't think of a bigger change than that. He prepared them for it. And if you read John chapter 17, the prayer that he made, if you read those things, I'm going to leave them in the world, Father, but they're not going to be of the world. I'm going to leave them my peace. He has done the same thing for us. You ready for change? I know it's going to require some prayer. (laughs) But it's important because there is change. I have incredible change happening in my life right now. Incredible change. Tough, hard, emotional. But I know he has called me to this change. So I have to go and shine a light to what he has called me to do. Let's get together. Not fight trying to get things back the way they were, but let's fight to get on that road that is in the desert, (laughs) that is in the wilderness. Let's get in the boat that's in the river in the desert. And let's let God take us through this change into something more powerful. Brothers and sisters, I thank you so much for being with us this week. We're looking forward to seeing you next week. And then, (laughs) and then really seeing you the week after that. So God bless you. Thank you for joining in with us today. Have a great day in the Lord.